Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning with verse number 1. The Bible says, say the Bible says. Say, it's in the Bible. Bible. All right, now we can read it. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to live a celibate life. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Now I know why prayer meeting is not very many people there. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. But I wish everyone were single just as I am. Go ahead and turn the monitor down just a little bit. But I wish everyone were single just as I am. But God gives to some the gift of marriage. Say gift of marriage. And to others, the gift of singleness. Say, gift of singleness. Now, that's another lesson, and someday maybe we need to teach on that, that not everyone is called to marriage. Some are called to live a life of singleness so that they can devote themselves totally to the Lord. But that is another lesson. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. Thank you for the practicality of your word. Thank you that you're not just interested in getting us to heaven, but you're interested uh, in every aspect and every phase and part of our life. Father, let your anointing rest upon the message, upon the messenger. Lord, today we ask in the name of Jesus. All of God's people said, Praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. We are in a series that I'm calling Home Improvement. Now, with the average marriage today lasting only seven years and the divorce rate at 50%, I think we could use some home improvement. How about you? I've titled my teaching today, Sex That Sizzles. Now, before I get into the teaching this morning, I want to begin with a disclaimer. Actually, several disclaimers. First of all, if you are new to the Grace Place, this is not a typical sermon. (laughs) Fact of the matter is, I've been in ministry full-time for 44 years, and this is the first time in 44 years that I have uh, taught a lesson or preached a sermon totally about sex. And I will tell you, it may be 44 years again before I try it again. Thank you for laughing. Thank you. You're helping me already this morning. (laughs) 
Another disclaimer is I'm not teaching this lesson necessarily because I want to. I am teaching this lesson this morning because I believe I'm supposed to. I know I will receive criticism for this sermon, but if this sermon helps someone, and I actually know that there are people, not because I know specifically, but I know in this size of a group there are several people that need what is going to be said today, and so if this can help somebody and help somebody's marriage and somebody can have some home improvement, then I will take the arrows that will fly at me. See, the three biggest issues in marriage are communication, sex, and finances. Out of all of the problems, out of all of the difficulties, out of all of the issues that come up in marriage, the top three are communication, sex, and finances. So here's what I think. If sex is one of the biggest, the three biggest issues in marriage, why in the world would we avoid teaching about it? And the third Disclaimer that I have this morning is that what I have to say today is what the Bible says about sex. I didn't get some sex book and get my sermon this morning. I got my sermon out of this book. And so if it's in this book, if God thought it was important enough to put it in his book and he was limited as to what he could put in his book, if he thought it was as important enough that he would put it in his book, then I believe it is important enough that we ought to be addressing it and we ought to be seeing what the Word of God... And the world is talking about it. The world is saying all of the wrong things. It's time for, for the men of God and the house of God to say the right things. So let's get started this morning. Let me begin with some random thoughts on sex. Just some random thoughts on sex. Now please remember that I'm talking about marital sex. Say marital. marital. I'm talking about sex between one man and one woman within the boundaries of marriage. See, any and all other sexual activity is sin and is immoral. So here are some random thoughts on sex. Number one, sex is not dirty. Ma'am, you are not married to a dirty old man. Well, you might be, but he's not a dirty old man just because he wants to have sex. Sex is not dirty. It's actually God's idea. Say God's idea. Here's a thought. Sex begins in the kitchen. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about having sex on the kitchen table. And there's nothing wrong with that either as long as nobody else is in the house. Here's what I'm saying this morning. How you start your day will determine how it will end. See, you cannot treat your spouse bad all day long and then expect anything good to happen that night. Here's a good one. You need to hear this one. Your spouse is the only person you can have sex with without experiencing guilt. Your spouse is the only person you can have sex with without experiencing guilt. It doesn't matter how good the sex may be, but once it is over and in time, there will always be guilt. The only way you will not experience guilt in sex is if you are having sex with your spouse you are married to. Here's one. 
Your spouse is not responsible for your sexual pleasure. Somebody needs to hear that. You must communicate your needs and your desires to them. Remember, one of the three top uh, uh, issues in marriage is communication. Communication. And so if your spouse is not meeting your needs in this area, then it's partially your fault because you are not communicating to them. Don't expect or assume your spouse knows how to please you. And this is the final one this morning. Passion in marriage doesn't have to disappear over time. But you will have to stoke the fire. All right, let's talk about sex in marriage this morning. Four things about sex in marriage, all based upon what Scripture teaches on this subject. Number one, it's your right. It's your right. Verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 7 says, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Spouses have the right to expect sex from their mate. They shouldn't have to beg for it. And neither spouse should use sex to manipulate the other or use it as some type of payment for doing something or giving something or allowing something. No, that's what prostitutes do. Spouses have the right to expect sex from their mate. With this being said, also consider this. For those of you that filled that blank in and you, you, know, you got it circled for later... With this being said, also consider this. Spouses should extend grace to their mate. See, see, although your spouse should have sex with you anytime you desire it, you should love them enough to be sensitive about situations and circumstances and times that might damper their desire for intimacy at the moment. Things like stress. Or sickness, or fatigue, or anxiety. See, see, just because something is our right doesn't mean it's right at the moment. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 4 says love is kind. Verse number 5 says love is not selfish. One time I got two aspirin and a glass of water. And I brought them to my wife. She says, sweetheart, I don't have a headache. I said, hey, hey, hey. But not only is marital sex your right, my daughter's up here going, mm-hmm. how do you think you got here, sweetheart? <laughs> now, 
Not only is, your mar- is marital sex your right, number two, it's your responsibility. But you've never heard that. It's your responsibility. Sex with your mate is not an option. That gut went over really well. <laughs> you see, a spouse who refuses to be intimate with their mate has disobeyed the word of God. When you marry someone, you agree to become intimate with them. The Bible says the two become one. And then verses 4 and 5 of our text says the wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. That's in the Bible. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree. Say both. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So sex with your mate is not an option. It is your responsibility to meet the sexual needs of your spouse. Spouses should be open to sex whenever their mate desires it. But don't forget what I said just a moment ago about spouses loving their mates enough to extend grace to them by understanding when the timing might not be right. But I also want to say you can't continually use this excuse. Spouses should also consider each other's differences as to needs and desires and sex drive. Seldom are they matched. Now, I do want to throw this out, that it's not always the husband that has the greater sex drive. Not always. A lady asked me to throw that in one time, so I'm throwing it in. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and love is kind, and it does not demand its own way. Notice the third thing about sex in marriage, and that is, it's your reminder. It's your reminder, and man, this is, this is huge. This is huge. Sex, marital sex is your reminder. It's your reminder of your unique relationship. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31 says, As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. See, see, see there, there are hosts of people in our life that we love. We love our father, we love our mother, we love our brothers and our sisters, we love our best friend. And yet, although, although we have enough love in us to share with a host of people, yet intimacy is reserved for just one person and one person alone, and that one person is our spouse. And nobody else is allowed to get this close to you. So what you need to understand is that when you are intimate with your spouse, you are saying to them, I love you like I love no one else. 
I love you more than, than everybody else. I love you enough that I'm going to give myself to you 100%. Everyone else has a percentage of my love. You are the only one that I'm going to give 100% of myself to. You are the only one that I'm going to give myself to 100%. You need to understand that when you have sex with your mate, you are reminding each other that this is your, re- your unique relationship. It is a relationship that is reserved just for you and nobody else. I love my mama, I love my daddy, I love my sister, I love my brothers, I love my best friend, but I love you more. That's what you're saying. I love you more. I love you so much that I'm willing to expose myself to you, all of myself. I'm willing to expose my flaws and my imperfections and my insecurities. I love you so much I'm willing to make myself vulnerable to you. I love you so much that I trust you with me. I trust you with me, all of me. Sex and marriage is your reminder. It reminds you of your unique relationship with your spouse. It's what separates this relationship from every other relationship. It's what makes this relationship more special than any other relationship. Not only is it a reminder of your unique relationship, it's also a reminder of your unconditional love. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25, he says, Wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Let me just publicly say that there's absolutely nothing that I would not do for my wife. Absolutely nothing that I would not do for my wife. There are limits to my love for everyone else but her. I love my daughter, but I love my wife more. I would do so much for my daughter, but I will do more for my wife. I love my grandkids. Never, you'll never find a pawpaw that loves his grandkids more than this pawpaw does. But I'm going to tell you that even as much as I love my, my grandkids, I love my wife more. There's absolutely nothing I wouldn't do for my wife. There are limits to my love for everyone else but her. I love other people, but I love no one else the way I love her. She has my unconditional love. I love her in a way that I have never loved anyone else before. Sex and marriage is a reminder of both your unique relationship and your unconditional love. My advice to every married couple here today is to go home and remind each other of these two things. (laughs) We're talking about sex and marriage this morning. Number one, it's your right. Number two, it's your responsibility. Number three, it's your reminder Number four, it's your reward. It's your reward. See, marriage is tough. No amens? Is that correct? Marriage is tough. Raising a family is hard work. 
sex within the boundaries of marriage is your reward. You need to understand this. Sex is not just for making babies. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15 through 19. In the Bible, says, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anybody? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. And 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 3 says, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Notice the phrase, sexual needs. See, God has placed within man and woman a desire for intimacy. God put it in there. Now, this intimacy produces offspring. But that is only part of God's purpose for intimacy. Because God created our bodies with the ability to receive pleasure through intimacy. And this ability continues even after a person's body can no longer produce offspring. It's God's design. So sex is not just for making babies. I have a pastor friend. And his wife asked his mother, her mother-in-law, who was 80. She said, so mom, well, I still want sex when I'm 80. Some of you are really looking at me. <laughs> she said, honey, you may not want it, but you're still going to get it. I've sure enjoyed pastoring this church the last 13 and a half years. It's, <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> Sex is not just for making babies. Sex is God's gift to marriage. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 and 28 says, God created man and woman and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. See, the Bible says that God placed man and woman in the Garden of Eden and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. We need to understand that the word Eden means pleasure. The Garden of Pleasure. So I believe that God intended for man to enjoy the process of being fruitful and multiplying. God made our bodies with this capacity. Sex is God's gift to man and woman in the boundaries of marriage. We can get some help on the platform this morning. Our takeaway today, our takeaway this morning is sex inside God's boundaries brings fulfillment. Sex within the boundaries that God set, the boundaries of one man married 
to one woman. Sex inside God's boundaries brings fulfillment. And if it's not in your life, maybe it's because of a lack of communication. Maybe you need to communicate more in that area. Probably everyone does. Our takeaway today, sex inside God's boundaries brings fulfillment. The second one is sex sex outside God's boundaries will eventually bring disappointment. Sex outside the boundaries of, of, of God's plan and God's design will always bring disappointment. It might be the greatest time you had at the moment, but I'm telling you there will be guilt, there will be shame, there will be disappointment, there will be, there will be a lot of things attached to it. The only way that you're going to be fulfilled in this area to 100% is if you, are, you do it God's way and you communicate with your, uh, with your spouse the things uh, that bring fulfillment to you. Let me challenge all of the young single people here today, especially the teenagers whose hormones are in overdrive. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. Young lady, when that hormone hurricane boyfriend of yours says to you, if you love me, you will. You say to him, if you love me, you won't ask me to. I promise you something. I I don't make a lot of promises, but I do promise you this this morning, and that is you will never regret keeping your virginity. never forget or you will never regret keeping your virginity you will never regret keeping yourself pure you will never regret giving yourself to your spouse knowing that you're giving a gift that you have given to no one else and to those of you who are divorced but not remarried Just because you're no longer a virgin doesn't mean it's okay to be sexually active. Because sex outside the boundaries of marriage is sin. And the Bible calls it adultery. And the Bible says that the adulterer and the adulteress will not have a place in heaven. Not everything in the Bible is black and white, but that's black and white. Would you stand with me in the presence of the Lord this morning? I know this has been a little bit different this morning. I already stated I didn't preach this because I wanted to. I preached it because I felt like I was supposed to. And although I'll get one or two or three criticisms for it, I'll get a host of people that'll say, man, that's exactly what we needed. I promise you. I encourage you today to listen, not to my words, not to my little sermon that I put together, but to the Word of God. Because I've just given you the Word of God, what the Bible says. Father, I just pray today that you will take this Word this morning. Take this Word this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that it will do the work that needs to be done in the heart and the life of the people. God, I pray there will be some home improvement. 
God, I pray there'll be some marriages, Lord, that will be better because of the word of the Lord, because of their application and applying the word of God that they have received and they've accepted and they've heard today. God, give us a desire to please you by obeying your word and being obedient to your word. In the name of Jesus.